You are listening to Studying Pixels, a podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simon. I'm a game studies scholar from Germany. I'm Dan Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas. And you can find us every Sunday on studyingpixels.com and wherever you get your podcasts. The Game Awards 2022 are over. That basically is the end, the beginning of the end of the year, you could say. <laughs> That's right. We've got everything wrapped up and now we're looking to the future. What are your overall thoughts on the Game Awards before we dive into the specifics on the entire showcase as such? I really like watching the Game Awards evolve because you can tell how much effort Jeff Keighley and his team put into changing things and making things better every year. I think that this was, it, it, it still felt a little bloated at times, but I think that the, the really cool thing for me was that um, it felt like they had the formula down a little bit better and everything kind of felt like it was falling into place. And it was really fun. They got such a great routine going, I feel. Like, they're just grooving along. I remember still the early days of the Game Awards when they were struggling a bit and they're trying to find their pace. And I think now they pretty much got it down and they keep grooving and deliver, I would say, a very consistently enjoyable showcase. It was really fun. And I think it was nice that everybody was there in person. I think Jeff Keighley called it out at the beginning saying how nice it is that everybody was in the audience and that people felt safe and that, you know, obviously COVID-19 is still a, a situation that we have to watch out for, but it's certainly a different world than it was last year even. And seeing everybody there and having a full audience was really cool. Well, we're going to share our perspectives on the high and the low lights of the Game Awards 2022 in this episode. We're also going to talk about the awards and announcements. But first, I want to remind you out there that, of course, if you want to support this show, then you can do that by getting Studying Pixels Plus. And this month, we've got a new Plus episode, just like every month, I just realized. <laughs> That's true. It's, uh, this month is no different. Yeah. <laughs> this month is no different, but it's this week that a new episode came out. It is called Worst Mistakes to Make as a Student, because as you know, some of these Plus episodes, they are deep dives into video game culture, and others, such as this one, are episodes that are meant to help you study, to help you navigate university life. It's a pretty broadly conceptualized episode where we talk about all kinds of mistakes that we have either made ourselves or that we have witnessed other people make and that we wanted to put together so that you don't have to make the exact same mistakes. Now, we also have a small housekeeping item in that there is another way to financially support us if you wish. We set up a PayPal me account. So that is paypal.me slash studying pixels, paypal.me slash studying pixels. If you go there, and there's also a link on our, uh, on our website directly at the top, uh, then you can send us money as a one-time donation, because I do know that not everyone wants to engage in a Patreon subscription. I understand that. Yet, if you still want to help out, then that is a great way to do so. Though I do want to be fair in saying that a PayPal donation is much appreciated, and you earn our eternal gratitude, but we can't provide you with the Patreon benefits, because the Patreon benefits, they run through Patreon directly. So this is just if you say, okay, I've got a couple of bucks left, I want to send this over to support Studying Pixels, which is obviously much appreciated. Yes, it definitely, it's a, it's a cool thing for us to uh, basically run the show with your help. 
So if that's something that you would like to do, but you, as, as Stefan said, don't want to commit to the Patreon, uh, that option is available and it is absolutely appreciated. If you want to do that, then head over to paypal.me slash studyingpixels. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And here we are, talking about the annual Game Awards 2022. This is, for all of the uninitiated, really the Oscars for video games. It took a while until it reached that kind of status, but it has obtained it now, as in a major, approximately three-hour showcase with lots of awards, but in case you haven't seen it before, it's not just about awards. It's actually, I would say, 30 to 40% awards, and the rest is like um, you know, trailers and previews and performances, stuff like that. It's a whole show. Which does fit into the ethos of gaming, I think, too. Because a lot of... Uh, it's obviously a um, an industry award show where people get recognized for their work doing hard work on video games in all different facets. But it's also... Uh, there's a lot of really cool community engagement. A lot of the awards are voted on by the community. And part of the community, obviously, is speculation, leaks, and spoilers. And so to see all of these announcements at the Game Awards, it kind of fits with everything that we love about video games. Maybe that's really a crucial observation, that in comparison to the music industry and the film industry, the video game industry and video game culture as such has really such a forward trajectory, probably also because of it being so strongly based on technological innovation, on that, wow, the new consoles, and wow, the new hardware, everything that's possible, and so on. There's a lot of um, desire and appeal to look forward and to like strive towards the future. And what I'll say about Jeff Keighley being the perfect host for this show is that he is so... You can tell how enthused he is and how excited he is I'm sure you noticed, Stefan, that there were moments where he was introducing uh, maybe like a From Software situation, or he was um, talking about the new uh, the new game Judas by Ken Levine and his team, where you can see him visibly excited that he was able to play it, and he's he knows about it, and he's about to share it. I think it's it's just the perfect melding of what people who love video games want to see from a 
a production like this, and he's really hit the sweet spot. Yeah, totally. He's not biased in the sense that he gives all of the game announcements their fair share of attention. Like he says, like another world premiere of he presents it well, but you can clearly tell when it's something that he's excited for and it's like, I'm so happy. Oh my God. <laughs> Basically, he's like, he's vibrating. He's you can so feel, excited. Yeah. Th this is beautiful. You can, you can sense this kind of childish excitement within him that I think is what drives also many audience members to go to the Game Awards or to sit in front of the TV and as soon as the first uh, pictures come up, they're like, oh, what could it be? What could it be? It's Armored Core. Wow. You know, like uh, <laughs> that kind of excitement. He really conveys that very well. Yeah, he's he's the perfect host. And I know that he's a big driver behind this show as a whole. And I think that we mentioned this last year that Jeff Keighley is just endlessly charismatic in his own way. And I think that carries over into this show. And he's always a big highlight for me. Yeah, he's the ambassador of video games at this point. Well-earned title, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he even handled one exceptional situation well that you've alluded to at the very beginning already, that there's something that happened under his nose and probably, <laughs> uh, probably disgruntled him a bit. So there was one incident at the Game Awards 2022 that stood out. Everything is quite planned in this showcase, and that's why it's so sp specifically that it stands out. A, a bloke basically seized the microphone, even though he shouldn't have. This was towards the very end of the show when the Game of the Year award was given out to From Software, and uh, Miyazaki and his team came on the stage uh, to do an acceptance speech, and one fellow person just went with them, even though he did not belong at all. Actually, it turns out this guy is 15 years old, and he's called Maiton Even. I found his name online. Uh, he lingered around the back of the stage while Miyazaki was doing his acceptance speech. And as the speech was over, he rushed to the microphone as the goodbye music was already playing. And he said the following words, and I'm going to read it out just like he said it. He said, I want to thank everybody and say I think I want to nominate this award to my reformed orthodox rabbi, rabbi Bill Clinton. You, you you hear that and immediately you think, what? what, do you, what? When, uh, so full disclosure, I watched this live with friend of the show, Richard Mertens. And when we were watching it, we both had this moment where we started talking about other things and we, we couldn't believe what we were hearing. We were like, did that just happen? What is this? And it wasn't so obtrusive that it was like the slap at the Oscars, right? It was just this weird thing that happened at the end. And your brain starts turning and you think, what did he say? Re Reformed Orthodox Rabbi Bill Clinton. Is this some sort of weird dog whistle that this kid is up there saying? What's what's going on? It's, it was very strange. I had the exact same experience. Since I watched it uh, in hindsight, I was aware already that this would happen. And so I looked out for the kid and I saw him lingering around there. And I still couldn't quite puzzle together what he was trying to say. I think he really fumbled it <laughs> for yeah, all did. intents and yeah. purposes. Because the thing is, <laughs> whatever he was trying to say, it didn't come across. I have no idea. I thought maybe someone else knows, but apparently the internet is a bit puzzled about what exactly he's trying to say. Is he sincere about something? Is he a fan of Bill Clinton? Is he trying to be anti-Semitic? You know? And if he is, there could he could have said a thousand other things to be more clearly anti-Semitic. Uh, and... Uh, I just don't understand why he would just ramble such inconsistencies into the microphone at the end. I think you're right. I think he 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 fumbled it pretty hard. Whatever he was trying to do, it didn't work. And 
uh, Jason Schreier um, got an interview with him. He called him up and got permission from his parents <laughs> to talk to him about this whole incident. And it turns out, so Jeff Keeley had tweeted afterwards that he was arrested. I don't think that's true. I think Jeff Keeley believed it, but he was just ushered to the police station for questioning. He wasn't arrested, actually. But Jason Schreier uh, spoke to him afterwards, and Schreier's uh, sort of view of him is that here's this kid who he's not giving up the character that he's playing, but he has no agenda. He's just this weird kid who tried to do something and then it just messed it up entirely. But he's got an interesting history, this guy. Uh, I don't know how much you read into that, Stefan, but he's got some... He's <laughs> This isn't his first foray into interrupting things. Yeah, let's say for a 15-year-old... He mm. has made some weird appearances on. I saw he made some appearances on Infowars, which is like a uh, an alt right um, news channel. I shouldn't say news, an alt right lying channel, propaganda channel, <laughs> yeah, propaganda channel, <laughs> mouthpiece channel. Um, and I also saw that he went to BlitzCon in 2019, where he interrupted the show and he exclaimed "Free Hong Kong," uh, which I get. I know there were lots of protests revolving around this um, this event, and I do know that Activision Blizzard had made the deliberate decision to ban any such political statements. So it kind of made sense. And it's not entirely unsurprising. It's like, okay, you know, let him shout his message, and then, you know, he can be ushered aside by the security and the things can move on. I just don't understand why at the Game Awards and, and why such an inconceivable message. I think I'm... I'm cautious to say it's not worth the scrutiny because there are some uh, frightening anti-Semitic um, sentiments happening in America right now with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes and all these people who are not worth mentioning beyond that. But so I don't want to I don't want to completely write it off and say that this was um, without any kind of ill intent. But as you said, he made a total ass of himself up there. Totally. So I don't know. I think the message kind of gets lost in that because he is a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's it's worth a little scrutiny, but I wouldn't say, you know, we, we've we witnessed something horrific here. Yeah, the, the content warrants little scrutiny, but the incident itself kind of frustrates me, I must say, because we've often got the situation in the world that things are going well and smoothly and then some kind of idiot... Uh, does something <laughs> totally disruptive, and then the security is tightened. And then uh, the Game Awards look very specifically, who are we going to let into the show next year? And we're going to maybe have a kind of like uh, like a thing that separates the audience from the show, or maybe we have to hire extra security that are standing by at all times, because we don't know. Maybe other people inspired by this fella, maybe people who are more directly outspoken in a racist manner or whatever, might try to seize the stage. Maybe we need to start, and this is just brainstorming, but maybe we need to also be aware that this person managed to get really up close and personal with someone as prominent as Miyazaki. Who else would he potentially be able to get close to? And what if it wasn't him, but what if it was someone who had a really like dangerous intent, someone who actually wanted to harm someone? It goes down this rabbit hole that I really find very troublesome, and I would rather like that it would not go down that rabbit hole, and that's why I would prefer if people could just behave a little bit you know i totally agree and you're right it's like with anything things as you say they get tightened things change so next year's game awards will look different from this year's because of this incident and i will say that 
luckily it wasn't anything too, it wasn't anything dangerous. And this, you know, this was a kid who got up there. And I will say that, uh, I was thinking about it afterwards and yesterday as I was kind of digesting everything. And I was like, why didn't they get him off? Like, clearly you recognize that he's not part of the From Software team. He's a 15 year old boy. Why wouldn't they get him off? But then I thought, if I were in that position and I didn't really know what was going on, if I were Jeff Keeley and I was seeing that and I didn't really know what's going on, I'm thinking, I don't want to interrupt the game of the year speech from Miyazaki. And like, this seems like just something strange. I don't quite understand what's happening. I guess the, the option was get security on stage during that moment and usher him off and then have that moment totally robbed from Miyazaki and from software. Cause that's then everybody would be saying, what happened there? Who was that? Why was, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough position to be in, in the moment. So I, I appreciate that difficulty for, for them and see, uh, tighter restrictions coming our way next year. Yeah, that's true. If you interfere too early, then the audience is going to wonder why is security seizing <laughs> the guy from From Software <laughs> during the acceptance speech? Yeah. Why are they taking this little boy away? <laughs> Though the thing is that realistically, I guess, when we talk about potential measures to tighten security, I could imagine that then the idea is just you have to register in advance who is going to speak up uh, on the stage. Because I assume that since nobody interfered earlier, I assume that they have this kind of rule where it's just, you know, the people that feel compelled to go on stage, the studios haggle out internally who's going to speak and who's going to speak on their behalf. And then people would just assume, yeah, maybe it's someone's kid and they want to basically just, you know, people do these things and be like, and I love my family or something like that. And here's my son. <laughs> something that I find endearing about the Game Awards is the flip side of this coin, which is that there is some sort of improvisational, I don't know what we're doing feeling to it. Because there is a moment where uh, Doug Bowser accepted the award for Bayonetta 3 and he didn't know where to go <laughs> after yes. the award. And then uh, the best thing in the world was somebody thought out Al, Pac Al Pacino and didn't tell him like, hey, you can leave the stage when Christopher Judge is having his speech because they just kept... <laughs> They kept cutting to poor Al Pacino, just waiting in the wings like a vampire in the background. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Al Pacino, he was the first uh, speaker to come on stage. And it was kind of, it was kind it was of charming. He was, he, Al Pacino is very, very old. And he doesn't really have a close attachment to video games, but he's kind of cool and he's kind of famous. And he didn't bring his glasses and he couldn't see the teleprompter. And he was just kind of stumbling through his speech. All the while, I thought, uh, it's really charming. It's going on for too long, but it's really charming. I like that he he called out, uh, I can't really read the teleprompter. Because if he had tried to stumble through it without kind of calling himself out, that would have been really hard to watch. <laughs> oh, but what a nightmare that must be. Imagine you're a speaker at the Game Awards where you know that it's not just a huge audience in front of you, but also all over the world people are watching this and everything that you do and say will be documented for the rest of eternity. And then you come on stage and you're like ready to get going and you realize like, oh, what is that on the teleprompter? I can't read it. Where are my glasses, you know? Yeah. In fairness, if it had been anybody else, I think it would have, the embarrassment factor would have gone up like crazy. But if you're Al Pacino and you're 150 years old and you've been in every fantastic movie in the past 50 years, you're, you're going to, you're going to, it's like water off a duck's back. Yeah, I'm Al Pacino. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. It's like <laughs> he leaves the, the venue and he's just like, don't care. Yeah, another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should jump into our highlights and lowlights. 
in order to dig through the just things that really stood out to us about the Game Awards. Do you want to get started with your first uh, highlight? Yeah, it's a really good segue from the Al Pacino stuff, because after uh, Al Pacino was there to introduce the um, the best performance, and there was a lot of good contenders, but Christopher Judge uh, won for his performance as Kratos in God of War Ragnarok. And I was really excited for that because I think that is one of the... His take on Kratos in particular, it was great in God of War 2018, but I think in Ragnarok, it really comes through how much work and time he put into this character, how much understanding he has of Kratos as a person, where he is on his journey, what his relationship with Atreus is. And I thought that uh, it was a really touching speech that definitely went on too long. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite moment, this is, I, I love that he won. I'm very happy for him because I think it's well-deserved. But my favorite thing is, I don't know if you caught this stuff, but Jeff Keighley, when it came back, there was a bit of a break where they showed some trailers. And when it came back, Jeff Keighley was standing over Christopher Judge and you can tell he was having some harsh words. <laughs> Yeah, you could also tell while Christopher Judge was speaking, and wh what he was saying was really heartfelt, really sincere, but he went on and on. <laughs> I just thought, is this going to be the Game Awards? It's just going to be you know, just one award, and Christopher Judge is just speaking for 90 minutes or something? <laughs> well, it, it was so, and it was such a, it was a good speech that it was very drawn out, but it was very heartfelt, and he was telling really cool stories about uh, working with Corey Barlog and um, working with Eric Williams, the director of Ragnarok and things like this. Uh, but I remember thinking at the time, this seems like the end of the award speech, you know, the, or the end of the game show speech, where, why is this, there's so much gravitas for this. Like at the beginning of an award show, it should be like, hey, I, I got the best uh, music. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I also thought what, as he was speaking, I thought if, if it goes, if it continues in that pace, then this is going to be a long, long evening. Show. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they actually, I think, they kind of uh, on the fly implemented this kind of playing people out. <laughs> you know, just like fading in some music and then gradually increasing the volume. They do this at the Oscars as well, but I don't think they were prepared to implement it here, and they were kind of hesitant and they waited and waited, and then it was like, guys, we have to do something. <laughs> the best thing about it was that. You could tell that he he took it not as I need to get off the stage, but as backing to his yeah. incredible speech because <laughs> he he leaned into it and was like, and furthermore, <laughs> <laughs> this gives my speech additional gravitas. <laughs> yeah. so I I consider that it was it was to me that's like it felt very uh, game awards to me because it was a well deserved award coupled with something that they weren't prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> and you could also tell that from then onwards with the following uh, awards that they were much more rigorous. They actually, after a minute, they started putting in that music and basically cutting people off already. Except for with Miyazaki at the end, they were like a little bit more lenient. Give them some time, yeah. yeah but I, yeah. I just thought that that was, what a way to kick it off. And a, I, I don't want to take away from this, well-deserved from Christopher Judge because that performance is fantastic. Absolutely amazing. And actually, I've, I want to share my first low light because it is directly connected to God of War. God of War Ragnarok won, I think, the most awards of the show. We already uh, mentioned that 
Elden Ring won Game of the Year, very deservedly so. We already assumed that that would be the case. But God of War Ragnarok literally got like what felt to me like 80% of the other awards. That game, such high praise. However, not everyone wanted that to happen. There was, just before the Game Awards started, actually a concerted effort to bomb the review scores of God of War Ragnarok on Metacritic. They, 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 there was a concerted action of review bombing, where people come in and they deliberately give a game uh, like an especially negative rating, like a 0 out of 10, to overall like tip the scales and to make it slide down in the rating so that it is perceived more negatively. I don't know why people would actually assume that that makes a difference for the Game Awards, because by that time everything had already been decided, so it's like, it's a very dumb thing to do. But they actually accomplished quite something. The PS5 version of Ragnarok went down to a 7.9 on Metacritic, and the PS4 version down to a 6.1. And just out of curiosity, I couldn't help <laughs> myself. I was just like, okay, so so people apparently rate God of War Ragnarok on PS4 is 6.1. Let's see what other games have a 6.1. Let's see what kind of games Ragnarok is apparently on par with. And these games, <laughs> the following games all have a 6.1. Jurassic World Evolution 2. Mm-hmm. Balan Wonderland. Uh-oh. Shenmue 3. Need for Speed Heat. Sonic Forces. For Honor. <laughs> the Soda Drinker Pro. Ah, uh, the classic. <laughs> Watch Dogs, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy XIII, and NHL fourteen. These are basically the games that God of War Ragnarok is now in the same league with. What a ridiculous community we have. Where, uh, what, what is the, what's the point? You know, just to say, well, my, the game that I wanted to win, or even I just don't think this game should be getting enough praise. I'm gonna. Uh, bring the metacritic score down so that people wonder why they why it won all these awards i don't know it seems petty and silly to me it seems petty and to me i just thought this is why we can't have nice things you know (laughs) (laughs) because of course you know elden ring uh, elden ring deserved every single award that it got it's a fantastic video game and it would have gotten that award anyway. Uh, it, that review bombing did make absolutely zero difference for the Game Awards. And I also think, you know, Metacritic is such an important tool for people to find games that they like, games that they might be interested in. Why not give your actual rating? Why not think about this game, play the game and not be like, oh, I read through lots of these comments then because I was on the website anyway and I was a bit curious. And people are saying ridiculous things about it. Like, oh, it's recycled, should have been a DLC, story's trash, there are invisible walls everywhere. Like, things where you can say, okay, this is not even constructive criticism. This is not even unconstructive criticism. This is just blatantly it's made, made true. up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. If we're in the position where people are like, oh, I hate the idea that Elden Ring is going to win over God of War Ragnarok... This was a fantastic year for video games. <laughs> if we're down to those two and we it's a coin flip with what we think is going to win, I I think I didn't put this as a highlight, but something I just want to comment on. I thought that the awards were very well balanced in the sense that I was uh up until the Game Awards wondering a little bit like maybe Elden Ring will get knocked out by God of War Ragnarok because it's 
a really fantastic game, fantastic story. It's, it's, I think we mentioned in our review of it, it's kind of the pinnacle of AAA games right now. And I think that the balance of Elden Ring won Game of the Year because of how innovative and impressive and incredible it was. And God of War Ragnarok won a slew of other awards for its technical prowess, its storytelling, its performances. Perfect balance, because that's, I think, very correct in a way that game award, or uh, I should say award shows aren't always correct in retrospect. Well, if there's one developer studio that probably uh, like felt a little bit bitter about this, then it should be Guerrilla Games. Because mm. uh, you can tell what kind of an exceptional year for video games it was by the fact that Horizon Forbidden West, which is for all intents and purposes a really great game, did not win a single award, I think. I just went through the awards list and, and it didn't win in any category, which is not because the game's bad. It is because there are just some other games that were so exceptionally good that came out this year that it couldn't compete. It's the Horizon curse. They're two for two now, right? Because uh, her, uh, Zero Dawn came out right before Breath of the Wild and Forbidden West came out right before Elden Ring. Both, uh, they're fantastic games, incredible stories, uh, just bad luck with the timing i think yeah and they'll be perfectly fine i don't actually think that they're bitter at all i think they take great pride in being nominated uh, in those categories and being aware that if it wouldn't have been for elden ring and god of war they would probably have easily won quite some awards and they'll be perfectly fine they're doing well they're working on a wonderful dlc um great. Burn, burning sands or what it was was called burning, burning shores. shores burning yeah. shores uh looks really wonderful they got their vr game in the making so they're going to be perfectly fine yeah and you know aloy is as much a face of sony as or playstation as kratos is so it's it's a cool place to be i think we're all very lucky it was a really good year for video games it was indeed yeah do you want to share your next one yes so uh speaking of sort of touching things um i wanted to i don't really have a big segue here but i am a huge fan of of Batman. I, I'm not a big comic book guy, but I love Batman and Superman. And uh, unfortunately, the voice of Batman, Kevin Conroy, passed away at the much too young age of 66 uh, recently. Um, if you've ever played the Arkham games, he voiced Batman in those. He voiced him in the animated series. He really is, I think, the person who made that character what he is. And uh, just really upsetting passing of a really talented person. Uh, and there was an incredible reveal. I think the best reveal of the show personally to me that his, uh, recordings were finished before he passed away for, um, suicide squad killed the justice league. And, I was not interested in this game until it was revealed that this was Kevin Conroy's final performance. Oh, really? I'm yeah, I'm so excited for it. And I did some digging into it. Um, it's in the hands of Rocksteady. It's in the world of Arkham Knight, or the Arkham games. So it's sometime after Arkham Knight. So that makes me really happy because that team is incredible at storytelling and their video games are obviously really great. Uh, and I thought that the um, the nod to Kevin Conroy for this trailer for the Suicide Squad game was was something I was not expecting at the Game Awards, and something that I felt was very uh, thoughtful and 
Jeff Keeley's words afterwards were also very heartfelt and emotional. And I think really nice send off to somebody who uh, had a fantastic influence on voice acting in video games and voice acting overall. It is really important that the Game Awards take a moment to make such a statement, such a commemoration, because they really put up uh, like a, a well put together trailer and uh, it's circled, it was circling all around um, uh, Kevin Conroy. I think, uh, you know, I read some reviews about the Game Awards and some people said that it didn't have a kind of impactful statement such as last year's uh, statement that Geoff Keighley made against uh, the conditions at Activision Blizzard. It was kind of lacking that. True, of course, but on the other hand, it did have such moments of commemoration where it clearly marks its stake as being not just a showcase of here a bunch of new video games and here a bunch of awards, but also like an amalgamation of the status quo of video game culture, including the grief that it might be present. Totally well said. And yeah, I just thought that it was it was not something I was expecting and I really loved how they handled it. Talking about things that we were not expecting, or I was I was not expecting at least, um, well, I mean, I expected Hideo Kojima to come out on stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of mandatory. He has to be there at every every Game Awards. Uh, but what I did not expect was the announcement of Death Stranding 2. Yeah. I must say, I haven't played the first game. I am aware of its existence, and I've heard lots of it. And I was kind of flashed by the trailer for the second one. I found it very impressive, it was very stylish, it was very impactful, and it clearly showed a profound commitment to this entire narrative framework of Death Stranding. It actually fascinated me so much that I thought, mm, I should really play the first Death Stranding before the second one comes out. I, I'm very excited to, to dive into it because I haven't played all that much of it. And I agree, that trailer, Kojima knows his cinema. And that was so captivating and so interesting. And I'm I'm really happy that it's getting a sequel because you can tell that that's where Kojima's passion has been for years now. So anytime Kojima is passionate about something and he gets to make it, sign me up. I'm on board. And you know what? Kojima-san, he's so charming. Uh, <laughs> I, I knew that before, but really at the Game Awards, it was so palpable because he said, for example, he said on stage that he actually, he rewrote the entire script for Death Stranding 2 because he didn't want to predict the future again <laughs> with the, with the, the COVID pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. yeah, Because obviously the <laughs> isolation and, you know, losing contact with each other, totally a theme of the first Death Stranding game. And I think the, the pandemic kind of had such a profound impact that he actually decided to rewrite the game. That's so cool. And I think, uh, I just, I, I mean, we're not breaking new ground by saying that he's a brilliant artist, but I love the idea that he was maybe working on Death Stranding 2 where he had a, a pitch for it and then the pandemic hit and he thought, I, I, no, I'm going to tell this story now. That's very, very endearing to me and I'm glad that he's able to make that game. You know, I find it kind of amazing that he seems to be so like kind and uh, he's able to you know, take a joke and, and laugh about things, <laughs> laugh about his own work and so on, because there are so many obnoxious, arrogant artists in this world uh, <laughs> that a person like uh, Kojima, who is so celebrated as basically the icon of uh, of the video game industry, the, you know, basically um, advanced the auteur. Think of the, the auteur of the of video games, 
that he seems to be such a grounded guy who like chuckles and, and, and makes some jokes about his, his work. I find that really cool. One of the things that I want to shout out, so I, I, I'm a big Kojima fan just as a person. Um, I like his work too, obviously, but as a person, he just, he strikes me as somebody who loves art and is excited to engage with it. And I follow him on Twitter and I remember, so uh, the Mike Flanagan uh, television show, Midnight Mass, Kojima was a huge fan of this when it came out. And it's a fantastic show. If you haven't seen it, you should. But there's a uh, an actor, Rahul Kohli, uh, who's in it. And Kojima tweeted how much he enjoyed his performance. And I was so uh, happy to see that they met <laughs> at, the, at the Game Awards because Rahul Kohli introduced something. And there's this lovely picture of them. And you can just see how jazzed Kojima is to be like, look at him. He was in the show that I loved. <laughs> it's kind of cool. And you realize that no matter how big you make it in a certain field, there's still always people that you look up to, always people that you admire. And I think that's important to stay grounded. Mm. Well, let's take a short break before we continue with our further impressions from the Game Awards 2022. 2022. Uh, his lovely appearance, I wanted to bring up one of my lowlights, which I call it a lowlight. It's more of a uh, funny observation that I made, which was um, Miyazaki uh, had a translator, and that poor translator was nervous out of his mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, we're in the privileged position of, you know, knowing Japanese, and I was listening to Miyazaki because it's rare that I, you hear him speak in public. He's a very uh, guarded kind of quiet person and i think he's usually he usually has his nose to the grindstone working on whatever game he's working on so it's really interesting to see him speak and i was listening to him and yeah that poor translator he was uh missing things he was leaving things out you could tell that miyazaki would say something really lengthy and you could see on the translator's face like uh oh! Oh god! <laughs> you know what's even funnier? You, when you when he stepped on the stage for the first time um, to accept, I think it was like best RPG or something, best role playing game, yeah, best best role playing game, yes. Um, and uh, then they went off stage, and then when it came to winning game of the year, and he just had this, you could see the sinking feeling. He's like, oh god, I got to get up there again. <laughs> I got to translate. <laughs> And he's he's uh, he was like all sweaty and this poor guy like I feel so he did he did a good job he but did it a was, swell job yeah it was it was funny to um you know little nuances here and there were left out like one of my favorites was 
at the beginning of his uh, Miyazaki's speech for accepting the Game of the Year award, um, he said, "Oh, bikurishimashita," which means, "Oh, this is this is a shock. I'm surprised." Right? It's a very humbling thing to say, or humble thing to say. And uh, the translator just kind of left that by the wayside, and just they went into the the big speech that he had. So little things here and there were were missed, but. I, I will say this, I don't envy that guy's position because <laughs> that's, that's a lot of work to do on the fly. And actually, when Miyazaki said, Bikurishimashita, my first thought was like, yeah, you're the only one, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone knew it's going to be Elden Ring. Yeah. But I think it's also, as you said, I think it's a gesture of humility. It's a gesture of saying, like, I, didn't, I did not possibly expect that, even though, of course, they were prepared. He had a speech prepared and everything. But... Uh, Yes, it's it's just it it speaks to the character of Miyazaki, I think. Yes, and I think that um, one of the things that the translator did convey correctly and and impactfully was that Miyazaki ended his speech by saying that he has so many more ideas and they have so many more games that they want to make, and he's just so thankful for the opportunity that people enjoy them. And that's a very cool thing to hear from that guy because he's uh, given so many people ourselves included, untold hours of joy from those cool games that he makes. Also, of course, a round of imaginary applause for this translator because uh, <laughs> we don't want to paint a negative picture of the job that he did. He, he, did, he did a good job. I think uh, he was just very nervous, which is totally understandable because it's a big event, it's a big night, and every single word matters. And he was, he was trying his very best, and he did a really good job. There was a, a cute moment, too, where... You could see Miyazaki was holding the award and he was looking at it. And then the he heard that the translator was going on for a little while. And he just looked at him and kind of gave him like a combate, like you can do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, take a breath, take a breath, yep. my friend. You can do We're it. All, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> was it, was it, uh, um, uh, it's like, uh, you know, please, yeah, please calm down. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. You're good. <laughs> Well, I've also got a Japanese one then. Uh, here's a highlight of mine. Um, Blue Protocol by Bandai Namco is going to be released in 2023. Blue Protocol was actually one of these few games. You know, every Game Awards, you watch tons and tons of trailers and most of them just blur into one and you're just like, okay, so there was an announcement of approximately 400 different video games, <laughs> but a few of them stick out and Blue Protocol was definitely one of them. An MMORPG that is strikingly beautiful. It has this cell-shading look. It seems cutesy. It seems fun. Actually, the reason why I found this so appealing is, yes, of course, I might be interested in playing it. And there is also a beta that's already running in Japan at the moment. And um, the impressions seem to be quite positive overall. Like, I looked a little bit through the Japanese side of the internet. And what I could gather from it was that the impressions are generally favorable. But most importantly, it might be a formidable competition for Genshin Impact. Yeah, it, it definitely, I think even just aesthetically, <laughs> it seems like it's going for it because, and Bandai Namco is the perfect company to do it because when I saw it before I knew that it was its own thing, Blue Protocol, I was thinking, oh, are they adapting the Tales series into an MMORPG? That's interesting. Because um, it definitely has that kind of anime look to it and i think yeah look out genshin impact because it seems like they're they're gunning for them yeah and they're supported by amazon games who are uh, initially apparently was not planned for blue protocol to come to the west even it was just scheduled for japan 
But uh, with the support of Amazon Games, they're going to make it happen in 2023. And it's going to be free to play. So this generally makes me skeptical. Um, it's going to be free to play. You don't have to pay anything to play through the entire game. But of course, there will be things like cosmetics and additional characters and stuff like that that you will then uh, be able to pay for. This will be microtransactions, of course. I don't like that in general. But I must say, Genshin Impact. I played that game for a bit. Not much, mm. but for a sufficient amount to have a rough estimation of its quality. And while I like everything on the surface of Genshin Impact, it kind of feels too derivative uh, for mm. me. It feels like clobbered together from different parts. And I really, I never could get quite into it. It's a little bit, mm, it doesn't quite hit the mark for me as someone who has a profound affection for JRPGs. And I do hope that Blue Protocol might be able to fill that gap. I'm I'm optimistic because Bandai Namco with the Tales series is really compelling JRPG storytelling. So I think that, uh, oh, what was the, Scarlet Nexus too. Scarlet Nexus uh, came out a couple of years ago now. They have a firm handle on it and a good history with it. So if it is the case that it is totally free to play and there are no, paywalls or anything like that and that it's just cosmetics and it's just maybe additional items or something like that that you can pay for i will be definitely giving it a try but if there's a invisible paywall or a wait time or something like that i i will not proceed with it yeah that's exactly the thing we can try it out together when it comes out yeah. and we, yeah, can, we, should. we can we can jump into it it's free there's no problem there's no effort but the thing is if it turns out that it's something like hey you can craft this item but you'll have to wait four real-time hours or you can give us money directly, then I'll immediately, where's account delete button, you know? Yes, yeah, eject. <laughs> <laughs> it's, to be fair, though, I understand. It's an MMO. It's going to be a long-running thing. That's at least what they're aiming for. So, of course, they need to finance it. And then you've got really two options. If you don't want to make it an upfront payment, you need to make it either a subscription, which scares off quite some people. Most people are like, nah, you know, a little bit hesitant about that especially in times of the success of Genshin Impact, or you make it a thing where you sell season passes, um, microtransactions, cosmetics, those kinds of things. And I do hope that they are successful if the game in itself is of sufficient quality. Pretty exciting. Well, speaking of JRPGs... Another, another one! and <laughs> Yes, JRPGs and uh, translation and Japanese people. <laughs> but people might, people might actually think that we've got a little bit of a Japanese bias here on the show. <laughs> what would give that away, though? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> but uh, long-awaited um, more information on Final Fantasy XVI. So fan favorite person, Yoshi P, uh, was out to announce the new trailer for Final Fantasy XVI, which was heavily gameplay uh it was all gameplay, really. The couple of smatterings of cutscenes here and there. And it looks really fun. It looks like they're taking all of the open world action RPG elements of Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts 3 and putting a really impactful world and story on top of it. It seems from the trailer that it's going to be kind of a revenge story, which is always a solid place to start. And... I, I'm really excited for it. Uh, I, I was kind of lukewarm on 16. I was just, I knew I was going to play it, but I didn't have any strong feelings about it. This trailer made me really excited for it. Yeah, I agree. I also mostly had the impression that Final Fantasy 16 is going to be just flickering colors with gigantic monsters somewhere <laughs> flying through the sky. 
Yeah, it and, definitely gave that impression. <laughs> yeah, this trailer, like almost like a kaiju thing uh, with, you know, Godzilla and, you know, huge monsters, which I guess is part of Final Fantasy and the summons and stuff. But uh, this trailer went a little bit more into some character development and you could ascertain how the actual regular combat would look and feel. And that also brought me a little bit closer to the game, warmed me up a little bit and gave me the feeling, okay, they're on a on a good trajectory here. Yes, I'm very excited for it. And it's always fun to see Yoshi out in front of people. And uh, I think that he's he's an endlessly charming person who really, I think, got his fame with all the work that he's done on Final Fantasy XIV. And I think it's smart that Square Enix has a uh, kind of a face of their games now. And Yoshi P is a good face to have. Final Fantasy XIV actually also won quite some awards. Best ongoing game, I can see here. Yeah. Best community support. Yeah, bo- uh, those two. Best ongoing game and best community support, Final Fantasy XIV. Very indicative of that game. It's uh, those, uh, I can speak as one, someone who's played it quite a bit. Uh, I love the Final Fantasy XIV community. Having Comparing it to World of Warcraft, for example... Final Fantasy fourteen is a really lovely, fun, excited community all the time. And uh, yeah, so well-deserved awards and really looking forward to sixteen. Well, while Final Fantasy sixteen did have some gameplay to show, uh, I think my biggest low light, and I say this every year, is that there's still not enough gameplay for me in the showcase. I think that the Game Awards are cool and fun and entertaining, but after an hour, I feel saturated with these bombastic render trailers where (laughs) I know that at best they convey like a sense of what the theme is of the game and what the aesthetics roughly are, but it doesn't really tell me much about how the game is actually going to feel to play, how the game is actually going to look like. So what I would wish for the Game Awards to consider is to maybe tone down its marketing a little bit and maybe say, if you submit a trailer for the Game Awards, then please include at least uh, one minute of uninterrupted gameplay or something like that. I know that's a big ask. I know that some people would be like, oh, but that will, you know, like all everything will feel slow and dragged out. But on the other hand, it is the Game Awards and it is about celebrating games and not cinematic trailers. So... I would prefer to have more gameplay on the show. There are certain moments where Jeff Keighley, when he's uh, introducing a game, he'll talk about his experience playing it. And I think there were there were two moments. The one that I remember, though, is with Judas, the new Ken Levine title. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Keighley was like, I played it for hours. All of that is in the game. Like, it's all in-engine. You know, none of that was fabricated for the trailer. So it's always funny when Keighley himself is like, this is all gameplay, folks. <laughs> Because he knows what people want to see and want to hear. Because it's like, yeah, a render trailer is really nice. But I think for, for an award show that's centrally focused on games, there's just too much cutscene and render trailer material. It does make you appreciate the games that do show the gameplay. Um, the new, um, the new t- is it Earthblade from the people who made Celeste? That yes. game looks really fun. A really fun little 16-bit adventure. It does look really fun. I fear, though, that it might not achieve the same success that Celeste achieved. Um, I saw that the studio changed its name as well, if I recall correctly. Like, originally it was called Matt Make, Makes Games, and 
Now they have like a couple of initials that are not quite as memorable, I must say. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'm completely wrong, but it felt to me a little bit like it is Celeste, but a little bit different. Yeah. And I'm also really curious because we don't have that on our list about Hades 2. I was just going to say Hades 2. Mm, because <laughs> Hades 2, amazing, cool. The announcement was really well done. It was like, I don't know who we play as, but it's a female character this time around. Yeah. I, I saw something saying that if uh, that it does seem to be somebody actually from Greek myth, like some random daughter of Hades and Persephone, but who knows? I don't think they gave the name yet. It looks super beautiful, super interesting. It's essentially going to be Hades, though. I'm not quite sure that this is the concern that I have. Does this actually substantially or, or like sufficiently distinguish itself from Hades to be to be warranted to be called Hades 2? Because from the glim first glimpses that we've seen, it feels more like a Hades DLC. It looks a lot like Hades, the gameplay that we saw. Like the, the animated cinematic was beautiful and really cool and the gameplay that they showed may as well have been a level in Hades so yeah I, I'm, I'm with you there I'm a little uh, hesitant yeah I have no doubt that it's going to be a fantastic game I have absolute faith in I think it's super giant games and Hades is amazing so why change a working formula <laughs> however of course when you call it Hades 2 then you need to be aware that people will come to it expecting that it differentiates itself to some substantial degree from the first one. Well, as a wise man once said, no game, no hype. Them's is the rules. Yes. <laughs> so, more game, please. Yep. Well, I have, uh, this is, this is a low light for me. I actually waffled on this being a highlight because there's parts of it that I like, but ultimately the announcement bummed me out. So, uh, my close personal friend, Crash Bandicoot made a, an appearance <laughs> on the stage and uh it was the return of that giant mascot costume that was in the uh marketing material from the late 90s and early 2000s which is always fun to see and there was a guy in there he was acting out as crash and he wanted to get a uh <laughs> he wanted to get the other characters from the series on a zoom call but it failed they were all muted that was pretty funny uh i just wish that the announcement had been for something i care about which it's not this game that's coming out is uh, Crash Team Rumble, um, which is, from what it looks like, sort of a, you know, a Mario Party, uh, just, you know, team party game kind of thing. And I, my only experience with that is the old game Crash Bash, which is terrible. <laughs> and I'm very hesitant because that game left a terrible taste in my mouth. Even as a kid, before I had standards, I knew something was wrong <laughs> with that game. So I, I wish it had been another Crash title because that would have been really cool to see. Um, I'm glad Crash is still around and in the zeitgeist, but uh, I'm, I'm just disappointed with what kind of game it is. Well, here's my last highlight. It also pertains to not a specific video game, but something that happened on stage. And mm. that will be the musical performances. Excellent. As every year, I am excited whenever I see that there's, you know, another musical piece coming on. Of course, there's the Game Awards Orchestra. Um, they are wonderful. It's absolutely a delight to watch, especially their medley when at the very end of the show, they play a medley of all the nominees for Game of the Year. It's always gorgeous. And it's so exciting with all the footage behind them. And you can tell that everybody in the orchestra is excited to be there and 
I just love in their instrument. <laughs> it's uh, I, that's I think probably my favorite part of the show is that medley at the end. Yeah, and they really hype it up. It's really something. I think Joseph Farah. Uh, yeah, he even explicitly commented on it because he won with It Takes Two the Game Awards, uh, the, the Game of the Year last year, and uh, he deliberately commented how he had goosebumps when the Game Awards orchestra played his his music, or as he put it, uh, he had hair all over his body. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just hilarious. Whenever he's on stage, you never know what's going to happen. It's always hilarious. Got to have him. Yeah. Also. Um, there was a performance of the song Blood Upon the Snow, which is a song from God of War Ragnarok. That was beautiful. There was a piece uh, called Lilith performed by Halsey, which is part of the was part of the Diablo 4 uh, trailer. And because all of that is so delightful and exciting, I was super happy that Jeff Keighley announced at the very end of the show that there's going to be a Game Awards musical performance at the Hollywood Bowl on 25th of June next year. I'm really looking forward to that. I love these video game, these orchestral video game concerts. They are amazing. Me too. And I love all the spectacle that goes into them. The Those two performances that you mentioned, the the Hosier uh, God of War performance and then the um, Halsey Diablo performance, the stagecraft that went into those with the extras dressed in the costumes from the game and the these incredible sets that they had made um, with the gameplay footage in the background. Shout out to the guy playing the hurdy-gurdy <laughs> behind Hosier. <laughs> it was, it, it's just, uh, I, I'm so excited for that concert too, because I'm expecting that it'll be pieces like that, like curated events. And I, I think that that's going to be really cool. That is also the very reason, by the way, why I have such a fond memory of that particular, you know, E3, you know, when E3 was still a thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, so a PlayStation did this showcase where they showed like three or four games or something, and they accompanied everything with one orchestra. Ah, that was beautiful. This is going to be pretentious of me, but I'm going to I'm going to bring the film student out for a minute. It reminds me of how in old cinema, they would you know th there wasn't a way to um, connect music to film back when cinema was new. So when you would go to see a film like The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, for example, there would be an orchestra playing and scoring it live. And seeing the the imagery behind the orchestra, it gives me that feeling of uh, true artistic performance that we're seeing here. Well, it could be an orchestra or actually I think what was probably even more common, in especially in the smaller cinemas, um, there would be just like a piano player. Who'd be, yeah, and then there's yeah. like, you know, Charlie Chaplin movie, and he's like, doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great job to have. I score, yeah. I score film music live. <laughs> <laughs> well, those were our impressions of the Game Awards 2022. Thank you so very much for listening. If you want to let us know what your personal high and lowlights of the showcase were, then please head over to studyingpixels.com slash contact, where you can reach out to us. You know that you can support our show by going to studyingpixels.com slash plus. And of course, you also know that we've got a brand new Discord server, which we're trying to breathe life into at the moment. So if you want to drop by and have a chat with us, then please feel free to do so. On studyingpixels.com, there's like a Discord icon directly on the, home, on the website. By clicking that, you will be immediately thrown to the server. 
I should say, if you are uh, interested and you do go to the Discord server, you can uh, participate in watching live like Richard and I did with the Game Awards. So we didn't announce it really ahead of time, but we're planning to do more things like that so that we can watch things together on Discord. Yeah, social viewing. Kind of cool, especially such things like Game Awards where 60% of it is some kind of advertisement where you have sufficient time <laughs> in between to just chat and, and comment on it. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so very much again. And we'll talk again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.